Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B playbook. Kevin, you are the ultimate professional. Oh, why do you say that, George? Because when we logged on today, you were so tired and cranky. And then we just recorded an intro and outro for one of our interviews and you turned it on. You couldn't have told. You couldn't have told that you accidentally got um, an hour's more sleep than you were supposed to, which is throwing off your whole new sleeping rhythm. And uh, (laughs) you just turned it on. Well done. Oh, you know, a few things you learn from stage time. And uh, it comes back to you in times of need. <laughs> well, I, I very much appreciate it. How was your weekend, Kev? Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, not too bad, George. Uh, you know, it's a running around, busy, busy sort of uh, chores-filled weekend. But, uh, you know, the show must go on. So here we are. You are a busy boy. You are a busy boy. Or you love doing chores. I tend to avoid chores. <laughs> I spent my Friday trying to, my Friday Arvo, trying to work out what gift I would bring to a 30th for a very good friend of mine um, the next day Mm. for Saturday night, Kevin. And, you know, everyone talks about it's like the experience economy. So you should be giving people things that they enjoy, like experiences. But the problem with that is as the person who's doing the gifting, that does nothing for me. Because I... (laughs) Once you give that gift of an experience like, I don't know, skydiving or uh, a restaurant voucher, I don't get any joy out of that, Kevin. And giving, the joy of giving is just not enough for me. I want to be able to see something tangible, something tangible that I've bought 
And I can point to and go, I bought that for you. I want you to remember that. Well, I think that reveals a lot about your character, George. Um, And we can (laughs) probably just leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kev, well, let's just leave it there and kick off with something we're doing a little bit different this episode. Yes, that's right. In the past season, we've been discussing how to be helpful. Be helpful, if you remember listeners, is the second B in our 5Bs framework. And our framework is really about sustainable B2B growth online, or what many actually call demand generation. For the next couple of episodes, we thought it would be interesting to round out our Be Helpful discussion by highlighting and dissecting some examples of B2B businesses being helpful that we've seen personally. Listeners, when we just talk about concepts and frameworks as we have done, it can be hard to imagine how it works in practice and to recognize it when you see it in the wild. So the purpose of these next couple of episodes is for us to help you start recognizing great helpful content when it comes along and to start doing some of your own. And Kev, the first piece of content that we've chosen is actually an ad that you and I were both targeted with on LinkedIn separately. And it is an ad that's done by Employment Hero, which is a very fast-growing HR software company. LinkedIn spouts them as one of the fastest-growing startups on LinkedIn. They love them. I think they must be spending a lot of money with them, judging from uh, how many ads they had running on the platform. But anyway, the platform helps with onboarding new employees. It helps you do performance reviews, manage HR templates, uh, and does it all online and with like really easy processes. They're, of course, a SaaS business, so they sell software as a service. And Kev, the particular piece of helpful content that we were both targeted with was an employee wellness survey template. Now, let's paint a picture for our listeners of what this content actually looks like. It's a pretty simple LinkedIn post with an image, isn't it? Yeah, basically it just says employee wellness survey template, free template, and it looks like a button that you can click on. Obviously the post or the ad that it comes with goes into a little bit more detail about what it is, what you can use it for, and basically the end results you can hope to get out of using that template. And what they say on that is it's a great starting point to collate employee feedback on wellness and well-being and start building a wellness plan based on the findings. All right, Kev, well, uh, look, we're gonna post this on our own LinkedIn so people can see visually the exact ad that we're talking about, but I think that's a reasonable description of it. It's basically a really simple image ad, a little bit of uh, an animated graphic, and then it simply says employee wellness survey template, free template with like a little download button, and then a bit of a text description above. Yeah, George, and it's really not cluttered. So the focus is the name of the template and there's not too much in that graphic for people to get distracted on. Um, So that's quite interesting. It really draws attention to the template itself. Well, let's jump into some analysis of it, Kev. We can go through and apply all the information that we've given our listeners, put ourselves to the test, and let's put this employment hero ad through the ringer. What do you like about it, Kev? What sticks out to you first? Let's start with the positives and then we'll move on to some areas that perhaps could be improved. Kev, what would be the first positive that jumps out to you? Yeah, I think overall we quite like the ad and the helpfulness of the content. I think the first thing that jumps out to me that I like about it is that the content has cut through and shows an understanding of their dream customers. Obviously, this is a very topical issue right now, Uh, employee wellness, uh, making sure everyone's looked after, 
as an employee at this time while we're going through a lot of uncertainty, both in the employment market and just in the world generally. So it is a very topical issue and it is obviously a problem or pain point for employers that they have to deal with right now, ensuring that their employees are looked after and start building a plan to make sure that hiring and offering the right perks and packages is going along the right track and based on information they're getting from their employees. So I think this content really shows an understanding of who the dream customers are right now, employers, and basically what their pain point is and having helpful content that addresses that pain point. What about you, George? What what do you like about it? No, I agree with you, Kev. It looks like they've done their dream customer research. They know that they're targeting business owners. That's probably why you and I are receiving this is because we are both listed as business owners of the B2B playbook. And I, of course, have my agency as well, but that's why we're being targeted with this ad. I have no doubt about it. So then they have done their research about what business owners are going through and small business owners in particular. And as you said, Kevin, it's an uncertain time. We all have questions. We might have a couple of employees and retention and happiness of your staff is a huge issue. Yeah, it's a hard hiring market out there. Another point they're addressing. And beyond that, Kev, what I really like is that this is very helpful content. And it does look to be expertly done as well, which ticks both our boxes there. It's helpful because, I mean, look, we're not HR experts and we don't know the quality of this template that they're giving us, but they're giving us a solution to a problem that we might have. Now, we're going to dig into that a little bit later because I actually have a bit of a gripe with the kind of content they're showing us here. But Mm. if I were problem aware and I knew that employee wellness was a problem that was top of mind for me, then this is the perfect kind of helpful content that that I would really like. I would have questions in my head like, oh, I know it's important to have uh, employee satisfaction, to have happy employees, but I have no idea how to even see if they're happy. How do I go about asking them? And if I had those questions, then this would be a really great uh, help. This would be a great solution for that. So they definitely tick that box if I had that problem and was aware of that problem. As we said, it's very difficult for us to judge the quality of this expert material, if it was created by an expert, we don't really know that because we just don't know the kind of questions we should be asking. We haven't used this template, so we don't know about the quality of it and the outcomes that you're gonna get from it. But look, it looks pretty good, so so points there. Yeah, I also think it looks like it's something that's quite actionable. You know, they mentioned in the ad that once you use the template, you can then collate the feedback very easily and then potentially set up next steps towards actioning the results from the template. So as you said, George, very easily done, um, expertly done, and easy to execute for their target audience. Yeah, just looking at this kind of content, Kev, I mean, I think you do want this done by an expert because then it's going to be even more useful and more helpful. So I would love it if this template was created by you know, someone in HR that is now helping out the marketing department with these resources because they know the frameworks, they know the questions based on research that you should be asking to do this process as well as possible. Or alternatively, perhaps someone who's had a lot of experience in running a business and has run these customer surveys before. My point is that you want an expert really putting this template together. Yeah, and what we're saying here, listeners, is on the face of it, it certainly looks like an expert has put this together. 
And maybe this is something we'll address as something uh, to improve is they could really hone in on the fact that it is in fact done by HR experts. Another thing that I really liked about this template was the format and distribution. I quite like the form that the content came in. It's a suitable survey format that's easy to adapt to any business and quick to deploy with ease. It's also a great starting point as part of a larger set of templates and HR related content. Employment Hero could very easily distribute this as part of a set pack later down the track to ensure that employers can then action the findings from the survey. And we get hints of that in the post itself. We also found the content via LinkedIn post. This is a great distribution channel for employers and HR professionals alike. We've spoken about this in previous episode, but the platform is really one where a lot of professionals are more open to work-related solutions and products, given the context of what they discuss on the platform. And that's because it's very much centered on professional, uh, professional development-related content. It's also one of the only channels that you can effectively target these types of audiences based on their title and their employment status and the function their jobs have. So again, this shows a good understanding of where the dream customers are already and are likely to have the right intent to engage with them. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, It's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Yeah, Kev, I agree with you. I think the format is a pretty good one. The template that they're doing, it's like a very low-tech approach to solving a problem that you might have right now. So you just put in your details, you download it, and then bang, like you're on your way to solving a problem that you already had. So we're not making, well, they're not making the potential users of this template jump through a bunch of hoops to solve their problem. Mm. So that is a great exercise in building trust, don't you think? Because I think that, it's really important that when we have resources that we are trying to be as helpful as possible with them. So the worst thing that I see, Kevin, is when people put so much into the front end, like the ad, the creative, and then the actual thing that sits behind it that might be gated, whatever it is that you give your precious passport details for is like (laughs) just garbage. And that is such a bad experience. Remember, the point of this is to build trust. The point is to build trust so we can build relationships so we can get people, you know, aware of our brand and eventually purchase from us when they're ready. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It is about building trust and they're certainly on their way to doing that with this particular post. Actually, we saw this first as a LinkedIn promoted post, or at least I did. So presumably, they're looking to amplify the impact of what is already a helpful piece of content that is succeeding for them. Or at least that's the hope. 
And this is something that we haven't spoken a lot about yet, but it will be coming up in the next season under Be Seen, so stay tuned, listeners. But for now, I think it suffice to say that hopefully they were strategic about promoting this, and it does appear to be the case because it actually has decent engagement for promoted posts. You generally don't have a lot of engagement on a paid post like this. We like that they're paying to amplify helpful content rather than hard sell to sign up to their platform. Remember, you need to be helpful with your content, as we've been saying, to build that trust, as George just said then, and then the sell won't be as hard or even necessary. So this is really a great example of that, that even though they're doing a promoted post, it's an ad, they're really pushing something that's a helpful piece of content rather than a hard sell to sign up for the Employment Hero platform. So that is a great signal that, you know, the they're selecting the helpful things that they're looking to promote and they're doing it and they're amplifying it in a way that is fairly strategic and is focused on building trust and a relationship and a two-way conversation with the dream customers. Kev, I just want to explore something a little further that you said there. You said hopefully that um, they promoted this based on organic content that performed really well. What do you What do you mean by that? When we get to the BC stage and we're talking about amplifying your content through paid activities. Part of that is about selecting the content that is really helpful to your audience. You know it works, you know it's resonating, and then pushing it out with paid activity to amplify its impact, to get that helpful content that you know is helpful in front of more people that you know probably will find that same content helpful, but maybe they haven't seen it yet, just because organically it hasn't traveled that far yet. And that's you know how we see be be seen fit into the picture where we see amplification through paid channels fit in to the b2b marketing journey online and so the point i was trying to make there was hopefully they were strategic in selecting a piece of content they already know is performing well organically and then amplifying its effects through a promoted post like this it's quite a different way of using paid advertising or at least that's what people would think but we've spoken over the last few episodes kevin about how you know over the last hundred years the best advertising has always been helpful advertising somehow that got lost where in the last 10 20 years everyone just uses their ad dollars to focus on the features of their product but the best advertising the one that people remember and associate your brand with in the most positive fashion is the stuff that really helps them and I think that's what Employment Hero are doing really well here. Yeah, and hopefully they're pushing the most well-performing organic content that is very helpful, has the right signals that is actually resonating with their dream customers and their amplifying effects. So the idea is that they're actually doubling down on helpful content rather than pushing out something that their marketing department thought might work with their particular audience. This gives them a much better chance to succeed with their ads. All right, Kev, let's have a look at some of the visual aspects of the ad now. And we're not experts in this, but let's just have a look at our first impressions. First impressions are, it's pretty simple. There's one really simple message and it's exactly what the template is. Employee wellness survey template. Now, if I, again, was problem aware and I was aware this is a problem for me, then that would be perfect because I'm looking for a solution to that problem. And it uses really concise clear language in that title, which I think is excellent. As for the text uh, sitting above it, Kev, and I'll just highlight that. 
The text sitting above it, I think to me, it all clumps a little bit together. So for the people that aren't watching this on LinkedIn, it's basically five lines of text all together. And it's basically outlining what the template is. And underneath that, it lists the benefits. And that's fantastic to focus on the benefits. But I would say in those first five lines, which are so critical as the hook of the ad, they probably need to grab your attention a little more. And some ways we like to do that is by starting with a question to get someone's intrigue or some other way of just getting a hook rather than it saying, and this is what it says, use this template to gain a greater understanding of your workforce when it comes to their well-being. This template outlines areas, blah, 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 and then tells you what this template does. But they could have used a little more white space around it. That's what I would have liked, Kev. A little more white space, maybe throw a few more emojis in there, or there aren't any at all, but something to break it up because there is so much sameness in the feed. And what we need to do is we need to be able to stand out and make things as readable and digestible as possible. So pretty good. I really like that they focused on benefits, but I think they could have worked on that hook a little bit more and they could have used a little bit more white space as well. They also finish it with download the template today uh, as a call to action, which is fantastic. All your advertising needs a call to action because you know people still need to be told what to do. It's just how our brains work. So full points there. Oh, George, already drifting a little ahead into what could be improved there, but I definitely agree with the points that you're making there. Um, to summarize the things that we really liked about the, the post or the promoted post, the content has great cut through, the content shows an understanding of the dream customers as does the format and distribution of this particular post. And the visuals of the ad or the post is quite simple and generally fairly easy to read, but obviously there's a few improvements they can make to give it more cut through. So that's the things we liked about it. All right, George, let's talk in a little bit more detail about what could be improved with this post. All right, okay, well, we've touched on this a little bit already, but for us, the content doesn't quite match the awareness stage that the dream customer is at. So we said there's five stages of awareness. We covered that in one episode and they are the stages of awareness that someone goes from not even realizing that they have a problem to being very aware of your product as a solution to that problem and then buying from you. And that first stage is unaware. And Kevin, that is probably the stage that I would be at. I'm not even aware that this is an issue. And from speaking with you, it, it seems like you're not aware either. Hmm. Because we're in that unaware state, what the content should be more focused on is educating us around the issue that we should be having. We don't even realize that we have an issue. We don't even realize that employee satisfaction is a big deal for us because of reasons X, Y, Z. Like it has an impact on your productivity. It has an impact on your retention. And at the end of the day, it impacts your bottom line. But you and I aren't even aware of that. And instead, they've skipped right ahead and they've assumed that we have this problem. So Kevin, to be honest, if this ad was just in my feed and we weren't actively looking for, for ads to feature in this, in this podcast, I probably would have scrolled right past it because it didn't speak to a pain point that I had at that time. Instead, I would have preferred something that educated me to make me realize that I have a pain point. Yeah, I think as you mentioned earlier, George, you know, you have your own agency. We run the podcast as part of a business entity, but we're more likely at that stage and what well, we are at that stage where we're not problem aware because 
well, we don't even have any employees at the moment. So we're not really thinking about, you know, employee well-being. So throwing us a wellness survey to focus on improving employee well-being and their retention, it doesn't ring a bell with us. It might resonate better as part of a remarketing campaign, for example, towards HR professionals or business owners and businesses that have already shown some interest towards Employment Hero or have even signed up already, but haven't really engaged in every part of the Employment Hero platform's features. This then might be a solution for getting those signups, for getting those potential signups to really engage with the brand, really test out the product and see if there's more value and see for themselves what the value is in Employment Hero. But again, coming back to your point for us, this doesn't resonate. We need, as you said, some educational content that shows us the problem, shows us potential solutions, and probably even tighter targeting on their part. For example, maybe they need to focus on business owners of businesses with more than five people in the business. Because potentially when you're that small, employment well-being isn't as much of a concern. Maybe it's just a, a, a bunch of friends like us running something together. Maybe it's family members. So really it's issues that haven't really come up yet. It's really an issue that starts coming to the fore when there's more people in the business. So at the moment, maybe something for us uh, that might be of interest is maybe a piece around you know, having issues hiring freelancers or your first employees and retaining them. Here's five ways to improve that. That's an article that potentially has better cut through with us. And one of those tips might be around running an employee wellness survey. And so if they then get the signals that we're engaging with that piece of content, we're engaging with that particular point around running an employee wellness survey, then they can remarket to us with this template. And that's probably what they should be doing with their bigger uh, business owners uh, or bigger businesses that they potentially could be targeting. That way they'll be building content to match each stage of awareness that we spoke about in that previous episode so that they're being more helpful with their content and it matches with each stage of awareness. Again, all this goes back to building trust that eventually leads to a potential customer for them down the track. The idea that they're then nurturing us, even in our early stage when we don't have any employees or freelancers to help us, we're well aware that they exist so that when we do get employees or freelancers, we might turn to them first because we are we know already that they have all the resources to help us scale on the HR side. A lot of very, very good points packed in there, Kev. Um, I think one of the really good ones there was on the targeting. And you're right, we're listed on the B2B playbook as having two to 10 employees. And I think you're right, at that size, even if you're at that nine, 10 employee size, you know all of your employees pretty intimately or you don't probably know them overly well because a lot of them are freelancers. So I think you're exactly right. Like it seems to be a, a targeting issue. It's just not something that is a concern to us. If we were working very closely with our employees, then, well, I mean, we're not going to survey a handful of employees. It's just not something that we would do. I mean, best practice, we probably should, but we're running a small business. We've got so many other things to focus on. And then to your point that this would probably work better as remarketing, I think you're absolutely right there as well. Because someone who has been to their website is probably more than problem aware. They're almost moving on to that solution aware stage, which means that they've realized that they have this problem. So by then retargeting them with this ad and with this template, 
there's a very good chance that you're actually going to have that fit of problem and solution. And so it matches the content that needs to be created to be the most helpful at this stage in the buyer's journey. All right, Kev, now we're going to go into something that's a little bit controversial. When you click on this ad, I noticed there are two versions of it. One of them is a LinkedIn lead gen ad, which allows you to just enter your details. I think it wants phone number, name, company, employee size, uh, number of employees, and you enter that and becomes a lead through LinkedIn. And the other one leads you to their landing page. And on the video, I'm just going to scroll down. We've screenshotted both of those. And you can see here on the video what the LinkedIn lead gen form looks like and then what the landing page looks like. And Kevin, what that means is this content is gated. That means it's sitting behind an email gate or almost a passport gate because it's asking for quite a lot of information here. And this is quite a controversial topic at the moment, Kevin. Uh, over the last 10, 15 years, gated content has been almost the gold standard for a lot of B2B marketing. And a big reason for that was marketers were essentially helping a lot of the sales team do part of their job. A lot of sales is reaching out to potentially interested prospects and trying to nurture them and turn them into customers. Now, 15, 10, 15 years ago, a lot of the contact information for these customers was not readily available. So people gated their content. And that meant that if you want that content, you have to put your email, name, address, phone number in for it. And then that would be passed onto the sales team and then sales would have a lead. Now, there are so many tools, Kevin, to actually reveal if those people are on your website or you can already just pull a whole host of people within your addressable market and you can get their contact details now. So we don't actually need to do that with our content anymore. It doesn't need to exist just to capture someone's email. It's so much easier to just go to another website and that person's email is probably easily accessible through something like Zoom Info, even Clearbit's free trials. There's a whole host of sites that do it. So we don't need to do that anymore. So content now, helpful content can exist just to be helpful. And if we're trying to be helpful, then why are we gating it? Why are we putting it behind an email gate? because that is going to prevent quite a lot of people from actually accessing that information. You and I have all had that experience where you put your email in for a resource that you want and then that sales team just hounds you and hounds you and hounds you to the point where your mobile phone becomes unusable. And that's just not a great experience. So Kevin, there's very much a movement away in the demand gen field from using gated content. Everyone's screaming for the ungate movement to move forward. What are your thoughts on that for this particular ad here? I think it's important not to get swept up in, you know, all the debate that's going on. Just think about it from, you know, first principles. Is it the best distribution uh, or way of distributing this content, this helpful content at the particular stage of awareness? Because it could be the right play for a certain point in the user journey. But I think what we're talking about here, this earlier stage where we're not even problem aware, that's certainly not the right play, right? Because the idea is that someone at this stage, they don't even know the, the problem, they don't have any sort of relationship with Employment Hero. 
to be asked to give all this detail, it doesn't build a lot of trust. Immediately, you're associating with the brand that, okay, we want your details and we potentially will chuck you into a sales funnel when you get those annoying calls that you're talking about, George. That doesn't build trust on an early interaction with the brand. Conversely, if you didn't gate this helpful content and they got value out of it and they were able to access it freely, they would associate with the brand as being one that produces helpful content that is easily accessible. And they might come back and re-engage with you. And in that way, it's probably a better interaction for you ultimately with that user. You've built trust instead of um, not building trust and actually building some negative connotations to your brand. And also you've allowed the user or whoever's uh, in this audience that has visited your website already to see this helpful content, to self-filter them and self-qualify them from your sales funnels. Instead of pushing them, uh, I guess, without a choice down the sales funnel by collecting their email address, phone number and reaching out to them and getting your sales team to reach out to them. The idea is that they'll look at that piece of content and if they're not interested or it's not relevant to them, they won't come back. But if it is relevant, they might dig a little further on the website. If it is relevant, the next time they see a helpful piece of content from your business, they might interact again. So in fact, they're actually doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you through self-filtering or self-qualifying um, through how they interact with your content. And so for me, that's the way I like to look at it. I think at the, at the earliest stage of awareness or the earliest stages of awareness, gating content is probably not the right play because even if you gate it, even if you get that, um, if, if you get the answers to the questions you're asking, you get the contact details, you know, they're not ready and it's slightly out of line with where your audience is targeting, what the intent is at that point in time. And in our case, it's just a couple of guys who are not ready or even problem aware or even have that same problem. Right, Kev, look at just how many different points of data they want us to fill out here. First name, last name, work email, contact number, company name, job title, number of employees, country. I'm not going to do that. I, as you said, like we're just not at that right stage of awareness. And even if for some reason we did fill it out just to get this information, then we could still be very far from wanting to solve this problem. We could still be very far from getting down that buyer's journey to actually purchasing Employment Heroes product, which means when the sales team call us, which they inevitably will when we give them all this information, then you're going to have a whole range of types of leads that are coming through to them, all varying greatly in quality. You can have people like us who are barely problem aware and so we'd be very difficult to convince to, to purchase the Employment Hero software. And then you might have some people who are further down the road and perhaps a much better prospects for Employment Hero. But to your point, Kevin, by gating this content, they've removed the ability for people to self-select in this process. So we're making sales lives harder. Yeah, I think there's a very simple test here, and that is... When you consider gating content, it should only be done if you think it's clearly going to help and improve the content's value to a specific audience. If it doesn't, 
for whatever reason, then giving away that helpful content and making it easier to access, it's definitely gonna build trust a lot quicker. It's definitely gonna give your sales team better leads and it's gonna give you less of an audience to have to try and retarget through ads, through spend. You know, it's more efficient for you as well to then focus on producing more helpful content basically, rather than trying to hound a specific audience or group to try and force them through the funnel. There's plenty of users out there who probably need your product or you probably need to improve it in certain ways through feedback. Basically just try and avoid putting that square audience into a round hole. It's totally pointless and you're not gonna succeed in growing your business that way. It's much better to only gate content when there's specific value uh, to a specific audience in doing that. You know, ask yourself, why would you need to ask for all those details of users if they're willing to come to you and give them to you during sign up because they're already sold on you and your product and your service as a result of your consistently helpful content. You won't even have to ask for it. That's right, you, you won't have to ask for it. I, I would say, Kevin, if this is earlier stage content, I mean, look, it is true. Eventually you do want to have a point of contact uh, with your audience beyond social. Social is a great way to attract awareness and to put content out to nurture them. But a direct relationship can still be made with email. Some companies do that really, really well. So if anything, if we're going to gate it with anything, I would say just do email. Just someone's email address. Why do you need their first mm. name, last name, everything, all that right now? I mean, sure, you can personalize your fancy emails, whatever you need to do, but but all you need is basically a newsletter subscription, a way of getting that person's point of contact so you continue to send them helpful information. Yeah, George, I think it's a fairly common problem, you know, not to rag on employment hero too much, but when we look at all the ads on LinkedIn, most of them in, in some way is is gated either by lead gen form in LinkedIn itself or on the landing page. And that fundamentally is a disconnect. Maybe they're, they're doing really good targeting, but you know, we're not in most of their target audiences or we shouldn't be. So they really shouldn't be gating content towards us if they're trying to get signals around which audiences actually respond to the content. Kev, I'd love to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I actually went through and looked at all of their ads that they're running on LinkedIn. And every, almost every single one is gated. Almost every single one is gated. And they've gone through and built these incredible templates and resources. It looks like they had 30 or 40. Like they must have a huge content team there or they've just been, there's a couple of people absolutely pumping it out. <laughs> and, but every single piece of it is gated, um, which look, I think if they want to practice truly helpful marketing, I would look at ungating some of those. Yeah, look, it could be working very well as, you know, bottom of the funnel, closing these funnels, making sure they're getting the right audience to sign up through and have a lot of the right intent. Um, but when when everyone's seeing that en masse, you know, it doesn't really help them to fill that funnel. It doesn't really help them to build a, a relevant top of the funnel exposure because a lot of people start getting turned off by the brand early on. So it's, yeah, it's a matter of, as we said, maybe a, a bit more sophisticated retargeting. Um, but yeah, there is a balance there to how much you, how much you gate, how much uh, you show these sort of templates that are really quite in depth and for a later stage of awareness. And I have no doubt that 
they are generating a huge number of leads through these templates and everything that they're pushing on LinkedIn. But the question is, how qualified are they? Are they leads that are ready to be pushed down that funnel and ready to buy? Or are they much higher up the funnel? And if so, do they have a way of qualifying that before sending them onto the sales team so they're not wasting sales' time? All right, George. So that was a deep dive into Employment Heroes ad or post. I think the key takeaways are that they have shown a very practical example of helpful content without a hard sell, which is definitely a plus, and which is likely to be just as effective in building trust and relationships with potential customers than if it was a hard sell. They've shown a great understanding of who and where the dream customers are. And I think with a little bit of tweaking on the content and targeting, particularly matching the understanding of users at different stages of awareness, they might have a lot better cut through and be able to generate a lot bigger of a funnel and feed through of qualified leads. Gator content, as we said, only works in much later stages. And we will go so far as to say that you shouldn't really gate anything until people have actively engaged with you or signed up. Even then, it must be clear that it's to help provide them with better and even more helpful content before you gate something. Spot on, Kev. As always, listeners, you can find links to everything we discussed in the show notes, and we are so grateful that each week more and more marketers tune in every Monday morning to get the latest episode of the B2B Playbook. If we can ask one thing, it would be to please leave us a short review on whatever platform it is you listen on, or pass it on to someone who you think would get some value from the show. It's an amazing help to us, and we'd really, really appreciate it. Take care, and see you next week. Take care, listeners. See you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.